just thank the team tonight for leading us so well. I actually, I think we can do better than that for the team. Wow, this is a great church. And if I lived in Port Lincoln, I would come here. Actually, I think if I lived in Adelaide, I'd have to fly over every weekend to come here. So this is a great church. And Bethany and all the team, you guys just led so well. Beautiful. And I said this morning, sometimes when you are a part of something, you can't see what you're a part of. And uh, this is going to flow well with my message tonight, actually. But you can't see what you're a part of. And this is a great church, everybody. You've got great people here. And, uh, you know, that worship team doing a beautiful job then. You know, there's people around Australia who would love to go to church like that on a Sunday night. And you have them here in Port Lincoln. So you need to just, you know, just don't take that for granted because uh, I get to go around a little bit around the place. And uh, that was just beautiful. Great, a great uh, praise and worship. And, uh, and, you know, just a great church, great people. And I just want to encourage you, don't take it for granted, but realize you've got something great in the house and uh, don't get familiar with it. Familiarity kills the miraculous and familiarity will kill the miracle in your life. So I've been saved now for 34 years and I still come to church every week like I'm on, you know, I don't know, like I'm on Red Cordial or something. And uh, you shouldn't be like that in your 50s, but I just come, I'm like hyper, church is on, Wow. And, uh, and I came in tonight on Red Cordial, and some of you are saying, do you take Red Cordial? No, I don't really. But I just still love the house of God. I'm excited about the house of God. It's not an age thing. It's a spirit thing. It's not an age thing. It's not about being young or being old, because I see some 17-year-olds. They're like 70-year-olds. Sorry about that. And I see some 70-year-olds, and they're just alive, and they're passionate. And uh, amen. Are you 70? Are you? And everybody else who's a little bit older, well done, all the passionate ones, because uh, you're inspiring. So I saw you dancing yesterday. You inspired me yesterday. So, so fantastic. And I uh, just want to honor your pastors to Rob, Pastor Rob and Pastor Pauline. You need to just thank God for them because uh, they're great pastors. And, you know, you, you don't always meet people who've got a great heart for, they love the church, they love the city, they love you, but they're also very interested in helping everybody in the Air Peninsula. And I just pick up their love and their passion for all the people who are living on the Air Peninsula. And, uh, you know, sometimes people just, you know, I don't, you know, they just get caught up in their own thing. And you just need to know that your pastors are very generous and they're trying to bless you, love you, look after you. And so I want to encourage you, speak well, support them, bless them, because they've got very gracious, generous hearts and they're trying to help everybody else. So uh, I want to encourage you, honor them and support them. So can you give them a huge hand? Give them a huge hand. Come on, let's do better for your pastors. Come on. And uh, I've so enjoyed being here this weekend, being at church, and then uh, being with leaders yesterday and some pastors, and then just at my fellowship time with your pastors. It's been fantastic. Out at your pizza bar down here. How good is that with the real Italian pizza man? Love that guy in that place. And, uh, and then just, you know, taking some walks. It's a beautiful place you live in. You're blessed. In Jesus' name. And uh, so you're a blessed people. So I want to encourage you, you know, don't take it for granted because you're already blessed and you're in a blessed fellowship in Jesus' name. So it's been great to be here. And I'm going to go home actually, even though this is my fifth time talking, I think, I'm feeling very refreshed being here. So I'm going to go home refreshed. So thank you for that, hey. And thank you today, Paul, and those oysters. Oh, my gosh. I had oyster ministry today from your pastor's wife, and it was the best. And so I feel very very blessed in Jesus' name. So actually, I'm going to ask you if you can stand up with me one more time. Uh, You all look very young here. This Actually, this is the party crowd, isn't it? This is a 5 p.m. party crowd, because I saw everybody partying in the service earlier. So that's great. So I know you're all young. So why don't you just lift your heart to the Lord with me right now, everybody. If you want to reach your hand out to the Lord, I'm going to pray that God's going to speak uh, to us tonight, going to speak to you, in fact, and that Jesus is going to do something uh, great in everyone's life. So let's just do that right now. Father, we just thank you, Lord, now for this great church. Thank you for one heart, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for everybody who's here. Just thank you, Lord, for your anointing on this house. Just pray, Lord, as I share around your word tonight, Lord, once again, that you'll be honored, Jesus. You'll be glorified. It's all about you. And Father, I just pray too that, Lord, you'll speak to somebody. you cause somebody to see something that they don't currently see. I just pray, Father, that something that's on someone's life that's holding them back will break off. 
Father, that, Lord, anything that's trapping somebody will break. Anybody who's in neutral will get out of neutral, get into first gear, second gear, third gear, get into the, down the road, Lord, or down the, the track, Father, of what you have for them. I pray for that person who's away from you. Today, they're coming back in Jesus' name. That person who doesn't know you, Lord, thank you that today is the day where they're going to meet you, Jesus. They're going to receive your grace, receive your forgiveness, and start a brand new life. So, Father, I just thank you for that now. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in this service. And I just pray, Father, touch everybody. Say something, Lord, beyond what I say that helps somebody, God. And we just give you, Jesus, tonight all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus another hand, church, while we're on our feet? Amen. Just tell someone near you, I love your haircut. That really suits you. Come on, do it with some enthusiasm. All right. How good. What a good day in the house of the Lord. What a good day. You know, uh, many years ago, I was a, well, many years ago now, I was a teenager in Sydney. Don't laugh at me, all right. I was a teenager in Sydney, and uh, we used to go down to the eastern suburbs where my grandmother lived. And uh, we would go down probably every second Sunday and have lunch with her. She had a flat or a little apartment down in the eastern suburbs, a place called Ramwick, if you know Sydney. And we'd go down there and uh, have lunch with my grandmother. And she was 86. And I love my nan, and I used to love going down there, and then we'd go to my uncle and auntie's later for coffee. So anyway, we turned up this Sunday to have lunch with my... Uh, uh, Nan, and um, we'd been to Mass in the morning, good Irish Catholics we were, and I uh, went to Mass, and when we got to my Nan's apartment, on time, the usual time, she didn't answer the door. So we started to go, what's going on? We kept knocking, she wasn't answering, we, then we stood back and tried to look up on her balcony, that was the second floor one, the curtain was drawn, and we, were, we started to get worried, where's Nan? And so she wasn't responding to anything, and then uh, this was the day before mobile phones, so... Uh, so we just had to, you know, uh, decide what we're going to do. And I was sitting there getting a bit panicky myself. My mum was getting really worried. And my uncle said, I'm going to go. And he'll, he said, I'll start driving around the street, see if she's gone to the shop. And because uh, she just, we had the feeling she wasn't in her apartment. Anyway, the next minute we're sitting on the wall out the front of her apartment. And I see my nan start walking down the street. She's walking. It was a real steep hill. She's walked toddling down, looking all casual. She's had a little floral hat on that she used to wear, this flower hat. And she's just toddling down. And then we were like... She's coming down the hill. What's she doing? And she was all dressed up. So we said, Nan, where have you been? And she said, I've been to the senior citizens' lunch. And my uncle looked, and he's like, Mom, the senior citizens' lunch, it's Sunday. There's no senior citizens' lunch today. She said, oh, no, there is. There was senior citizens' lunch. It was really lovely. I had roast pork, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And she said, I've had a dance, and I've had a lovely time. And she said, there was a couple there. They were looking so lovely what they had on. I sat near them. Anyway, so my uncle went, Nan, Mum, where have you been? So he says to my mum, sit here on the fence. I'll drive up and see. He drives up the road to where the senior citizens' dinner is normally, and it was the next day. So she's got it out by one day. And he said, Mum, I'm actually taking you to the senior citizens' dinner tomorrow. So anyway, so he goes up there, walks in the door. It's a wedding reception. it's a wedding reception and <laughs> and my uncle was like oh no dear lord anyway and it turns out everybody thought she was somebody else's nan and they thought oh my gosh we've forgotten one of the aunties or great aunts or grandmothers so they put her a chair at the table next to the bridal table so she's had a lovely time. She's blessed. Anyway, she's had such a good time. Anyway, and my uncle's horrified. Anyway, but the people were all really sweet, and he didn't let on. He thought, what do I do? Do I let on, or do I just go, okay? And he just went, okay. So anyway, so he came, drove back down, and he goes to his, my nan, his mum, mum, you've been at a wedding reception. She goes, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> she was definite about it. I have not. He says, Mom, the young couple looking so lovely. They were the wedding couple getting married. And she goes, oh, they weren't, were they? And she was all like, just for a moment, she was like, oh, no. 
And then she goes, oh, that's all right. It was lovely. <laughs> and she, she then moved on and went up to their flat and said, well, are you coming for a cup of tea? <laughs> and we all went, all righty. And so came up, my mum made sandwiches for us. But my grandmother had missed the whole deal. And even when she realised she'd made a big mistake, she decided, I've had a good time. And so that's all that matters then. <laughs> you know, uh, that really impacted me that my, my uh, nan, she really was somebody who did see things through rose-coloured glasses. And, uh, and even when, if you were here this morning, him, my story about my dad who was an alcoholic and Grew up with a lot of abuse and uh, fighting, all kinds of bad stuff. Everybody outside of our house loved my dad. Wherever I'd go, they say, is your dad so tall? I love him. Yet in our house, he was the devil. And uh, I was always frightened. Never knew what he was going to be like. But my, ma- my nan could always even saw my dad with rose-colored glasses. And if you'd say, this is what's happened, nan, occasionally I'd think, nan, I'll just tell you what's going on. She'd say, oh, but he's lovely, really, isn't he? You know, and so I had to just deal with that as I grew up, that my nan, she was just that kind of person, rose-colored glasses, and, uh, and on the whole, right, it's, it's not always a good thing, but on the whole, it served her well in her life, that she saw things from a good perspective, and even when she realized what she'd done, she decided to quickly shake it off and say, you know what, it was a good time, and, uh, and I've had a lovely day, and that's what counts, you know, your perspective in life is so important. And when there's a car accident, uh, you know, when they have an accident, police always say that it's amazing how the driver has a perspective, the passenger has a perspective, the people on the street have a perspective, and then somewhere in the middle is the truth, which the police have usually got to find out because everybody sees something different. And what I've discovered in the Christian life is that many times we see something different as well. And it's uh, so important about what you see because what you see is going to determine your life and it's going to determine where you go. In Joshua chapter 6 verse 2, God said to uh, Joshua, he said, see, I've given you uh, this city into your hand. And here was, you know, here were the enemies of God arrayed against him. And, uh, and, and they were just arrayed against him. And then God says, uh, yeah, that's happening. But look, I've given you the city. I'm sure Joshua's thinking, really? I'm under siege here. And you're telling me to see you've given me the city. God wants us to see what he sees. Hello, God wants us to see what he sees. And he wants you to see from his perspective. Because when you see from his perspective, you are going to win in life. Do you know what? Can I just encourage you with this church? You need to see this church as just a soul-winning church. If Port Lincoln knew that this church, what was happening inside, I think half of them would come in because they just need to know it's here. So what I want to encourage you is you need to see yourself as a soul-winning evangelist who God's going to use in the school, in the university, in Kmart, in your workplace to bring people to Christ. You need to see yourself as important and valuable in God's hand because God wants to multiply this church. You need to see this church. This is a great church. See it multiplying and see that God's going to use you to uh, play your part. So what do you see? What do you see for your life? What do you see for your children? What do you see for God's hand on you? Because you know what? You can have the Word of God in front of you, but if you don't apply it and see it, it's of no effect. You've got to apply it and see and say, yes, God, I agree with you, and I see that. You know, when Jesus was in the tomb, really they were expecting, uh, you know, uh, the, the body to have been stolen by his enemies. They were expecting, you know, his body to be, st- to be stolen by his enemies, not for him to be resurrected. Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead, but they're like, no, they're going to come and steal his bodies. So and when they looked in, uh, I think you heard the angels of the Lord said, why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, why are you looking for him here? He's gone. He told you he's going to be resurrected. He's resurrected. But they couldn't see it. They're like, oh, no, he's going to be stolen. What are you expecting? They were expecting a stolen body. Jesus was telling them, no, there's a resurrection. What are you expecting? What are you seeing? And uh, in actual fact, if you think, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you need to know that at that time, uh, 2,000 years ago, there is absolutely no way that church would have taken off if Jesus had not have risen from the dead. Because uh, those disciples, all of them, uh, ran away and were fearful and were, you know, they were hiding out then got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then every one of them came back and was martyred for their faith. 
and they died horrible deaths. You don't die a horrible death, every disciple, for somebody who wasn't resurrected. You're like, I'm out of here. I'm on the first boat to the Greek islands, (laughs) and I'm going to set up shop over there. But they were like, no, Jesus has risen from the dead, and they they all end up uh, dying for their faith and uh, going on missionary journeys that were costly and uh, were killed for their faith. So you need to know something was happening uh, 100 years after uh, Jesus had risen from the dead. We also need to realize that something um, unbelievable was happening because the Jewish people, uh, first in tens, then hundreds, then thousands, were turning from the Jewish faith, from Judaism, to follow Christ. It was unbelievable that that was occurring. You, you know, it was not a religion that, wow, that's a good idea to do. You're going to be persecuted straight away. Fantastic. You're going to lose all your social standing as a Jew when you turn from Judaism and turn to Christ. It was not, it was not a religion that, wow, you won the lottery now, you became a Christian. You're about to be persecuted. But thousands, then tens of thousands, were turning to Jesus Christ turning to the cross because he was risen from the dead. And something supernatural was happening. And so the church, you know, uh, uh, probably within 200 years was probably 200,000 people. That's unbelievable. (laughs) So you need to know that the faith you're a part of is a miracle. It's a complete miracle. It would have died out with the story, but for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead and he's alive in Jesus' name. Sometimes people like to say too, they like to say, oh, you know, I don't want to be a Christian because of things that are done in the name of God. Don't ever get into that deal because you want to know that there's a whole lot more by millions, hundreds of millions more things down in the name of godlessness. So across Eastern Europe and Russia, I go to Ukraine every year for 20 years to Kiev in the Ukraine. And Stalin in 1933, removing God, uh, starved to death 22 million Ukrainians in 1933. We don't hear about it because it's Eastern Europe. So in the name of godlessness, remove God, and you get people rise up and become despots in power, and they take over and control people, and they have killed people by the hundreds of millions. So sometimes people get caught up in, you know, this was done in the name of the church. Forget that. It will be minuscule compared to what happens when you remove God. So you need to see that you're part of something powerful, something that is the answer, and Jesus is the only one who continues to change art, (laughs) history, music, cultures, and wherever I go in the world, when Jesus is there, there's life and there's prosperity. Let's give him a big hand, amen? Let's give him a big hand. So it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. Because some of us are looking at the same thing, but we can't see anything. You can sit in the same row, have 15 people in the same row, and five have got one perception, and the other 10 have got a different perception. And so what they see is so important to what you receive, to what you have in your life. And uh, I want you to get this thought. People don't usually see things as they are. People see things as they are. You need to know that. People don't usually see things as they are in reality. We see things as we are. So if we're negative, it's amazing how we can paint everybody else with a negative brushstroke. If we're faith-filled, it's amazing how we expect faith and blessing in everybody because it's how we see it. How you see is absolutely important to what you have. And my wife and I, both of us are from, uh, you know, uh, quite poverty-stricken childhoods, to be honest. A lot of difficulty, a lot of problems, a lot of challenges. And, uh, but we had to say, Lord, help us to begin to see that you want to bless us. You want to help us. You want to put things into our hands so that we can be blessed to be a blessing. And I was telling the pastors and leaders, we had to buy a second building a couple of years ago. to put. We had no room for a Bible college, no room for our children. We didn't know what to do. And uh, I had no money. Our church was stretched. And then God said to me, you need to get this building. And I told my business manager, we need to get this building. And he said, yes, you can get it in three years' time when you have some money. you got no money. You fleece this church. No. <laughs> We put money into so many things, and then uh, two weeks later, that building was for sale. Two weeks, not two years, not three years, two years. And, uh, and I can feel everything saying to me, oh, you can't get it. Don't even try. Don't even attempt it. It's never happened before in your life. Nothing's ever broken through before. Oh, my gosh, that's never happened in your family. Oh, that's never happened to anybody you know. And then the Lord said to me, no, go for that building. 
So I ended up speaking to some of our business people. And the story was, as we went along, it ended up, it was right about the time of my birthday. And somebody in our church, who was a Muslim for 20 years, converted to Christ just before we started the church. 20 years a Muslim, English guy, converted to Christ, came to me and said, hey, let's have dinner for your birthday with his wife. And I was like, how nice are you going to take me for birthday? Anyway, they took me out for birthday dinner and uh, gave me a birthday card. I opened the card. There was a check in there, and I thought it was for $10,000. And I was like, oh, wow, the big one's come in. It's my birthday. How good? <laughs> Ten grand on my birthday. Anyway, and the couple said to me, Pastor Jared, you need to put your glasses on, which is a really good idea for me. And actually, I should put them on now. But anyway, he said to me, you need to put your glasses on. I put them on. And the check was for $1 million cash. I looked for my name. It was for the church. Shame, no. They gave me a check for $1 million cash for that building behind us. And, uh, and I remember the couple saying, they started to cry, and they said, this is the happiest day of our life. This is the most powerful, significant day in our lives to give this for the kingdom of God. And we're so happy. And I said, you are not nearly as happy as me. I'm telling you now. You're on drugs if you think you're happier than me. I was so happy. And I went and said to my business manager, hello, (laughs) Mr. Negan. And no. (laughs) I went, and I, who remembers Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg? She's got that check with the nuns, the $1 million check. She's trying, I'm not giving no nuns $1 million check. Anyway, so I go to the bank and I said to the bank, I'd like to put a check in, please. And the woman at the bank in Perth goes, $1 million! <laughs> it was just like ghosts. I said, this is like Whoopi Goldberg. This is happening now. But you know what? I had to realize God saying to me, change your view of your life. Change your view of your smallness. Stop seeing yourself as poor now. I need you to see yourself as not poor so I can get something to you so you can give it out. God says, I want you to be a pipe of blessing. Some of you right now, you're mortified that I'm touching on this because really it's still where you're at. And, uh, and that's, not a bad, that's, not, that's not you a bad person. It's the fact that we just don't realize God wants us to grow, to change, to move from old lives. Why? Not so I could, the check wasn't for me. The check was to build a building for the children and a Bible college, which by the way, now we've had 435 students through. So 435. So if I didn't get the check and we didn't get the building, the students would have been there. But guess what? I had to at some point go, okay, Alrighty, this is way out of my comfort zone, but I see us buying that building. <laughs> Even when my business manager goes to me, you have no money and you cannot buy that building. I had to go, no, I can see it. I can see it. What do you see? What do you see? I can see negative all day long. I can see, oh, I can't. Oh, I'm hopeless. Oh, Sue and I, let's just go and eat worms together. <laughs> I can do that. But that's the opposite of the Bible. It's the opposite. So people usually don't see things as they are. They see them as they are, as they are. I got somebody who just left church, and they're like going out the door of church, and church, this is terrible, and that's terrible. And I'm thinking, how funny is that? Because I just had four letters, four, saying to me, Pastor Jared and Sue, this church has changed my life, changed my whole life. Everything's changed for us. And then I got a letter here. Uh, it's actually something else, but anyway. T- they're terrible. This is terrible. That's terrible. I thought, what's the difference? Who's changed? Nothing had changed in the leadership team. <laughs> we were actually that busy at the minute sacrificing and building churches in Africa. Got no time to change. No time to do, even catch up there. What's changed? Their heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Don't ever be surprised when you see somebody go out the door of a church and go, oh my gosh, did you know Mary and Phil just left church? Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Here's what people do. When people leave church, they... They go, oh my gosh, they left church. What's wrong with the pastors? Why is it the pastors? What's it got to do with them when Mary and Phil leave church? What the heck has that got to do with anything? They're the ones consistently there faithfully, loving, giving, serving, sacrificing. Phil and Mary go and they go, what happened with the pastors? Nothing. Phil and Mary have lost the plot, people. They lost the plot probably 10 years ago. I mean, sitting there with the lost plot, now they're gone. Do you know what? You have to grow with the growth or you'll despise it. You have to grow with the growth or you'll despise it. Stop being so immature and saying, what happened to the pastors? Because they went. Nothing. They went because there's stuff with them. Probably foster children. I grew up 
being chucked around the family and I became a bit of a foster child in the kingdom at, for one stage, go to that church, go to that church, go to that church. I was a foster child in the kingdom. I had to become a son in the kingdom where I was planted in the house of God, being healed, serving, building Jesus' church. And then God began to stabilize me and my wife. But you know what? If you don't grow with the growth, eventually you'll have to go. You either grow or you go. In a growing church, just so you know, just so you know, in a growing church, you either grow or you go. Just so you know. Some of you are saying, go back to Perth and hurry up. Go now. And others are going, preach it, pastor. Preach it. Because they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. So sometimes as churches grow, they grow in love, giving, sacrifice. And you need to know that. Like this year, we sponsored with True Compassion. We're up to 621 children in our church. We planted a church in Zambia. I'm planning a church in Germany at the end of the year. This year has been one of the most costly, sacrificial lives in, times in my life. But talk about attack on my leadership team. It's more, the more we love and give and sacrifice, it's more like we've rattled people who would never even consider it, would not even consider doing it. But they're some of the people who've got the most to say. Isn't that interesting? People have a lot to say and they carry nothing, do nothing, but they've got big opinions. I'm going to Perth shortly. <laughs> but I've still got the microphone currently. <laughs> All righty. You're saying, move on, I will. We either see the glass half empty or the glass half full. In the church, you either see the church half empty or half full. You either see the problems or you see what you can do to fix the problem. Some people always want to tell the leaders, do you know that this is a problem? And no one cares about that person. No one did that. I need to tell you that if you're seeing that, Jesus is showing it for you to do. That's for you to do. Not tell everybody else, well, you didn't do that, and they didn't do that, and they didn't do that. Jesus is not showing you that, so you have to tell everybody else what they should do. You need to do that, and you need to see the church as full. Say, Lord, thank you for the blessing. See all the positives in church. Point out all the good things in Jesus' name. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just a funny thing. We have to address our nature because uh, some of us grew up in our families, and this is the way it was, but we never, ever questioned it. It's like some people see the, you know, uh, the optimist sees the donut, the pessimist sees the hole. The optimist sees the donut, the pessimist sees the hole. Some of you don't even realize you have time. Oh, look at that hole in that cake there. <laughs> Who put that hole there? It's called a donut, people. So, what do you see? Do you see the donut? Do you see the hole? If you keep seeing the hole, you need to say, Lord, help me to stop seeing the hole and see the donut. Do you see what's there or do you see what's missing? We need to say, God, help me with this. And, uh, and also to... Stop spending your time looking at what people think about you. Some people are so caught up. What do they think about me? What do they think about me? What do they think about me? I like this. Listen to this. What people in the world think of you or in the church is really none of your business. What people in the world or in the church think of you really is none of your business. It's Jesus' business. What you need to do is get on and love the Lord. Get on and praise the Lord. And get on with the job of saying, Jesus, help me to change my view so that I am doing what you've called me to do. Mums and dads, what you do, your children will do. What you do, your children will do. I've noticed in church, my son, my son who's 22, spoke at our men's conference, and it was terrible. It was so convicting. He got up, he runs our junior church now, about 400 children, and he got up and spoke on parenting your children to the fathers. I was like, oh, no, I didn't know you were talking on that. This is, I'm your father, and I'm sitting here taking notes. He was preaching away, and I was like, oh, I wasn't very good at that. Okay. <laughs> he spoke so well. 30 fathers got up, and after the conference, went home and apologized to their wife and the children. And then I said to him, you're never speaking again. You just wrecked my conference. No. But it was so good. And then Jordan said to me, listen to this, everybody. He said, Dad, you know I've been the kids pastor now for two years? I said, yes. He said, I can tell you what the parents are like by the children now. And he said, if I'm having problems with the children, he said, Dad, I can come and tell you, you're going to have problems with those parents. He said, he's got 400 children. In two years, he's 22. He's figured out what some of you haven't worked out at 72. And he said, I can tell you now, if I've got issues with the kids, there's issues with the parents every time. And he said, when the parents get healed, start to change their attitude, change their heart, 
learned some parenting skills. He said the children change every time. Here's what I've discovered as a senior pastor now for 30 years. Here's what I've discovered. Children don't do as you say, they do as you do. They don't do as you say, they do what you do. And, uh, and unless the parents see themselves as committed Christians, establishing the house of God, doing something in the church and in the community, your children never will. What does that mean? Ha- now, that doesn't sound like much. Listen to this. What does that mean? That means you just stop their destiny. Because you cannot have children entering into a destiny that their parents have not made way for. Because they'll copy you. They may be the 1% of children who push past But here's what I've discovered. If I have young people in our church who get saved with us, they get saved in our church and their parents are not Christians, they defer to the leadership team and do what I'm doing. They copy what the pastors are doing. They defer to us. But if their parents are Christians in the house of God, those children will copy their parents. So if the parents are in church, arms folded, never enter into anything, never connect with anything, never enter into any destiny, the chances of the children entering into that would be about 2%. It would be a miracle. So I always have to say to the parents, parents, See yourself as a flourishing, active part of the kingdom of God, growing and changing. Why? So that your old age is not miserable when you have to deal with all your children and all their mess now because they never entered into what God had planned for them because you shut the door. Perth's tomorrow for me. I'm not leaving till the afternoon. I don't care what you're thinking or saying. I throw that out to you because I may rescue some of your children. I may rescue your children. Mom and dad, when you go, right, I need to pick up something. I need to be doing something in the house of God because if you model it, they'll follow it. And you may end up having a child who goes into some amazing ministry and destiny destiny because mom and dad modeled something. Not perfection. We're certainly not perfect. But we understood, hang on, we need to get up. We want to break the chain of all of our crazy generations. My wife and I had to get up and say, right, Jesus, with all of our insecurity, we see you want to use us. You love us. You got a plan for us. We're going to move forward with that now. And then the boys have followed us. And now they're overtaking us, to be honest. It's, yeah, my 22-year-old preached the other Friday night. Three people came up to me after the service and said, Pastor Jared, anytime you retire and go, your son can just take over. I was like, shut your face. No, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm a Christian. I didn't say that. I thought it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> Numbers 13, verse 30 talks about how God's people, it says, you know, they're up against the enemy and it says they saw themselves like grasshoppers. And then it says, and so the enemy saw us that way too. How do you see yourself? Oh, I'm just nobody. I'm just, you know, little old me. Guess what? That's how the enemy sees you. Oh, I'm no one. That's how the devil sees you. Oh, I've never been very good with anything. That's good. That's how the devil sees you. He loves you saying that. You must write a praise song to the enemy with those words. You need to say, you know what? I'm an overcomer in Jesus Christ. I haven't got it all together yet. I'm not all that yet. But Lord, I'm on the way and you are using me. You love me. And devil, you need to get out of my face because uh, God's using me. And I see myself as a breakthrough person for me and my grandchildren. I actually see myself as a breakthrough person for my great-grandchildren. I do not want them going through the hell that I went through. So I'm a breakthrough person for them. And I am, and you know what? I'm not a selfish person anymore. I was a very selfish person. I'm not now. I'm going to live and help other people in Jesus' name. The devil hates it. He's like, shut up, roll over and die. That's what he'd like me to do, roll over and die. And while I've been sitting here, last, I told uh, the leaders, and yesterday we brought the first boy we sponsored through Compassion when he was nine years old. Grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, all killed in the genocide in Rwanda. Uh, I've been going there six times. I moved him into my house this year. He just texts me now. Hi, Dad. How's the church? How's the service? While well, I've been sitting here from Rwanda. I see myself as helping liberate people who are in pain around the earth. And I'll start with him and keep moving to 600 children. Let's keep going. Who do you, what do you see yourself as? Who do you see yourself as? You're a person. God's planted you here in Port Lincoln to be a light, to be a help to be a signpost, to be a blessing. If you cook cakes, cook away. Because God will anoint you with your hospitality gift to reach many people. Everybody has something. You just need to see it. You just need to see it. The enemy wants to stop our movement. If he can get, cause you to crumble, he will do it. He wants to intimidate you. 
He'll try and intimidate you, to stop you. He'll try and shame you. He'll try and put something on you so you stop, so you get regrets, so you never move again. The enemy tries to shame us. And if he can't shame you in your life before Christ, he'll try and shame you in your life in Christ. Here's my good story coming right now. Last year, I spoke in Sweden at a friend's church in Gothenburg, Sweden. Lovely people. I've been there a couple of times, not hundreds of times, but a couple of times. I'm in Sweden and, uh, (laughs) oh my gosh. I'm in Sweden, I'm preaching right. And a really nice church. And they had a really good order called people coming to the Lord in Gothenburg in Sweden. It was fantastic. They had, the service was really dark. They had, uh, was not lights like this. It was really dark. They had colored lights going across the stage. And uh, (laughs) they decided at the end of the service, they'd said to me the day before we're having baptisms tomorrow. Then they canceled it. Then at the end of the service, they they made a decision without telling me they're going to do baptisms. So I got 15, 20 people responding to Christ, which was awesome. And then I didn't have my glasses on. I said to the pastor, "Um, okay, you just take it now. I'm going to go. They had stairs going down here identical and stairs going down here identical. I just at the end of the service gave it to him and walked with the microphone headfirst into the baptismal. Straight into the baptismal. And I'm in there to hear, not to hear, to hear, with the microphone. Thank God it was cordless. And my wife is in next to the pastor's wife, and she goes, where's Jared gone? <laughs> and the pastor's wife looks over at me, and already, as I turned around, I'm soaking to hear. The pastor's wife goes, ah! like this. Right? And then my wife goes, oh, silly boy, <laughs> to me. And the whole church, the Swedish church, they were just mortified. They were like, oh, absolutely horrified. Anyway, and I just went, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. And then there were steps straight up, right? So I just kept walking, walked up the steps, soaking wet and into the back room. Anyway, the poor Swedish people, they were just devastated. Anyway, this guy has been helping me, like Carl's been helping me today. This, he comes out the back and he walks in like this, like, like a funeral march. And I'm like, he's like, Pastor Jared, we are going to get your clothes now. We're doing this. And I said, Samuel, this is hilarious. I'm from Australia. My childhood is so bad. This is nothing. You can laugh. He goes, it's hilarious. (laughs) He goes hysterical and then couldn't stop. Then two elders come out and they've got clothes from somewhere and shoes and they're like walking out like a death march. I'm like, guys, 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 I'm from Australia. My childhood is really, really bad. This is not a problem to me. You can laugh now. And the two of them go, ah! I had the three of them on the floor. They couldn't, I said, okay, people, that's enough now. That's disrespectful now. Get up. Anyway, so then I put the clothes on right, and they gave me, um, you can't say thongs in Europe. Anybody who's been to Europe knows that? Don't say thongs in Europe. It's that, you know, one Borat thing. Anyway, so, so, so I put on my thongs, flip-flops, and I said to them, okay, I'm going to go out into the service now. They were like, are you going to go outside, Pastor Jared? I went, yeah. They're like, you're going to go into congregation now? I said, yeah, it's fine. I said, oh, look, it's just, you know, it just happens. So I just, they're like, I went out, started chatting everybody. The pastor's wife, she sees me. She's hysterical. She's still, every time I see her now, 18 months later, she sees me and goes hysterical. She can't, she can't keep it together for a moment. She's hysterical. So I go out there. Anyway, when I go out the back later, the elders go to me, Pastor Jared, that has so spoken to us that you would do that. And you just shook that off. I said, hey, I'm from Australia, right? <laughs> but they're like, we just can't imagine that you had just uh, got over it and you were fine. And I said, look, guys, seriously, there's a lot worse things happen in your life go wrong than this. But you know what I could feel? Immediately, everybody was feeling shame for me. And, uh, and here's the funny thing is they gave the thongs they gave me, I wrote on the thongs with a black pen and said, the Lord must have known that I needed baptizing in Sweden for a second time. So I, uh, please keep these and put them on the wall somewhere. They put them in a glass frame and put them on the wall. So, but I could feel the shame on everybody coming onto me. Now, listen, it was a mistake, right? They, they forgot to tell me. I didn't have glasses on. No one said anything. And actual fact, you ready for this? The girl worship leader, she was standing here in front of it, blocking the way. And when I start walking, she thought, oh, the pastor knows what he's doing, so she stepped forward. <laughs> Bethany, remember that? <laughs> she stepped forward, let me walk into it. You know, I realized, wow, a lot of the people here, they would never get over this. They'd never get over it. They'd never move on in their life. 
I moved on in, oh my gosh, 7.2 minutes. They never move on in their life. Now listen, some of you haven't walked into a baptismal pool, but something has happened to you. The enemy has shamed you and you cannot go forward. You can't get up. And I want to say to you now, Jesus says, shame off you. Shame off you. He doesn't say shame on you. He says shame off you. And tonight I've come to say it's coming off tonight in Jesus' name. The shame is coming off in Jesus' name. It's coming off you. Don't allow it. I think it's one of the best preaching stories I've got now. I'm so glad I walked into it because I can preach it wherever I go. It's awesome. Let the shame come off you. You know, during the Battle of Waterloo in uh, 1815 in Belgium, the Duke of Wellington uh, was up against Napoleon Bonaparte. And it was flashed across England from hilltop to hilltop until it reached London at a critical point. There appeared on a bulletin board, Wellington defeated, who was the British leader. And so it was a, a heavy fog settled. They were, they were seeing this being flashed across. And they just saw Wellington defeated in the fog. And everybody in Britain was filled with fear, gripped with fear. They started refusing to come out of their houses. They were terrified. They had plans to get out of the country. And then after a while, the fog lifted. And suddenly the signalmen were able to get through that there was another word hidden. And the word hidden was Wellington defeated Napoleon. One word obscured the fact that actually England had the victory. And you know what? We had the same thing on Good Friday. Satan's bulletin board read, Jesus Christ defeated on Friday. And on Sunday, one word was added, Jesus Christ defeated Satan. You need to get a new perspective, everybody. Jesus has defeated the devil in your life. One word made all the difference. One word tonight, this word can make all the difference to your life and your future if you let Jesus change and heal your perspective. On the cross, it looked like a seeming failure, but in fact, it was the greatest moment in human, humanity's history. I want to say to you tonight, what looks like a seeming failure, if you give it to God, can be the greatest moment in your life for your future. Mom, dad, young person, single person, what seems like right now, a great failure, great shame, whatever. Jesus can change it in a moment or start to change it, literally start to change it if you let him. And I discovered years ago, if I just took one step towards Jesus, not when I was feeling like it. Some people say, when I feel it, when I feel it, then I'll do it. You know what? You may never feel it. I just went by faith. Jesus, I'm taking a step towards you. Don't open that baptismal if that's a baptismal. What is that? Oh, get it away from me, <laughs> you people. Just take another step. Then just take another step. Then just take one more step. There were days when Sue and I went, I, well, when Sue was doing good, I went. <laughs> and then God would go, Jared, just take one more. All right. Take one more. Take one more. Then another day of some kind of shame trying to come up. Something like, oh, yeah, go back here. Do you know what? By the time I just took one more step, one more step, one more step, one more step. You know, 30 years later, I'm down here and I'm like, flip. Heck, Sue, how do we get here, love? How do we get here? We just took one more step. Jesus, hold my hand. That's all I did. Hold my hand. Three steps forward, two steps back, another step. And then we got all the way down here. And now we both go, oh, this is good. Wow. Our life is being more significant, helping a lot of people. Our children are serving the Lord. We're in a place of greater fulfillment. 60s and 70s and 80s are looking cool, all getting better, but we just took one more step. Tonight, I want to encourage everybody here, take one more step or take the first step. Take the first step. Deuteronomy 30, 15 says this. God says this to you once again. See, He says, see, look. See, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. And then verse 19. Can we go to verse 19? He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, death, the blessing and the curse. Now look what God says. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. So the reality to me when I read that again is my decision is not just about me. It's about my great-grandchildren not just about me, it's about my great-grandchildren. 
They're not going to end up somewhere by mistake. They're going to end up where they end because somebody in the family said, enough, enough, enough of mental illness, enough of drug addiction, enough of alcoholism, enough of depression, enough of divorce. This is my family. This is my wife's family. We said enough. So we see Jesus and we say like, we choose to go forward. We, we choose your word over our opinion. Hello, we choose your word over our opinion. We choose your word, Lord, over our opinion. We choose your word, Lord, over our past experience. And as we've done it, God's taking us forward. Tonight, somebody here, God's saying to you, choose life. It won't be perfect maybe week one. It won't be perfect maybe week, month one, year, year one, year 10. But you know what? As the years go by, if you're serious with God, God's serious with you. And you will start to come into a new place, a new pasture, and life will begin to be different. And you'll be able to go, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I still love, it's only a month or two ago, just watching my 22-year-old son at his reception, the wedding reception. He married Bianca from Sri Lanka. So lovely. Have you got that picture? No, if you've got it, but no pressure. You guys are so good. But he married Bianca from Sri Lanka. She works in the kids' ministry as well. She's such a lovely girl. And at the wedding reception, still now, I was like, Lord, there they are. He's married the beautiful Bianca. Here she is coming. Oh my gosh, she's just gorgeous girl. Inside and out, gorgeous. And my 22-year-old son at his wedding reception. Now parents, you can't buy this. One generation ago, we were broke, drug addicted, mental illness, you name it, alcoholism. And my 22-year-old son at his wedding reception looks up and goes, God, why? <laughs> he said, why am I so blessed? Why am I so blessed? And he just started to talk to God in his wedding reception. Because I'm so blessed. Why? Why do you love me so much? You bless me. You saved me. Gave me my beautiful wife. He said, I dreamt of having somebody who looked like her and I got her. <laughs> and he said, and I'm serving you in something that just thrills my heart every day I wake up and I'm alive, I'm awake. He said, I feel so free. I feel so happy. And he was like, the whole speech was to God. Well, his mother and I were a wreck. We're a wreck. I didn't care what I had to pay for that reception, for that wedding, hock the house, do whatever. But to hear this boy say that, and he felt so free, so blessed, I was like, there is nothing worth, anything, nothing worth missing that. And then he walked over and began to hug me. I got a five-minute speech. His mother got 15 minutes. That was unfair. But he came and just hugged us and hugged us. And I was like, Lord, thank you for helping me to see what could be. Thank you for Lord for helping me to see what could be when it wasn't, when it looked like nothing good could come out of our families. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to see what could be. Listen tonight, everybody. God loves you so much. He wants you to see what could be. He wants you to see what could be. Tomorrow is coming real quick, but what we see today determines what we live in tomorrow. Can we pray? Can you stand up with me? Amen. Can we just bow our heads, everybody? Just close our eyes. Father, just thanks for everybody tonight. Thank you for just a wonderful church, wonderful people, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your hand on their lives. Father, I just pray, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, fill everybody. As we come to the end of our service, Father, I pray, Lord, save somebody. Fill somebody with the Holy Spirit, God. Let tonight somebody see, Father. I pray that everybody will leave the service seeing different in the name of Jesus. Let them see and believe and, Father, begin to see something positive, maybe for the first time. I just pray, Lord, we begin to see it from Your Word, Lord, and from how You see it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed tonight, every eye closed, there's somebody in the building right now and God wants you to not only see a miracle, He wants you to receive a miracle. It's the miracle of forgiveness and the miracle of salvation. Young man, young lady, Mom, dad, auntie, workmate, student, friend, whoever you are, tonight God says this can be the start of an amazing miracle. And that amazing miracle is peace with God, forgiveness of your sins. Somebody walked in, you feel so weighed down with your life, weighed down with sin, with regret. God says He wants to lift it off you and wash it away. Somebody else tonight, He's saying, you know what? Today God wants to fill you with joy. Come on, not joy that comes from you know, a fleeting Friday night at the club. No, this is a joy from the depth of your soul. 
from the depth of your heart, from your inner being, where God fills you with His peace and His joy. God wants to give somebody that miracle tonight. I want to tell you, following Jesus is joyous. It's joyous. Somebody tonight, you came in with something just hanging on to your life. It's just, it's holding you back. I believe as you say, Jesus, I give you that. Lord, help me to see what you see. God says you're going to move into something new and something powerful in Jesus' name. I'm going to simply count to three, church, and right across the service, as I count to three, if you're here and you're saying, you know what, please pray for me. Please pray for me. Pastor Jared, I need God. I need His forgiveness. I want to receive eternal life. I want to leave the service tonight knowing that if my life was to end at any point, that my eternal life is right with God. And if you're away from God, can I encourage you tonight, don't stay there. You're missing out on the fun. Come on, the fun is walking with Him. Don't listen to the enemy. The fun is when you walk with Jesus, walk in His plan. It's, it's amazing. God takes you out on these exciting new waters. And, uh, and they're waters of opportunity. So if you're away from God tonight, tonight is your time to come home. I want to compel you to be included in this prayer. If somebody invited you to come tonight, can I encourage you? The person invited you, but behind the person was God. It wasn't a coincidence. It was a God-sidence. It was a God set up. Why? Because God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to do great things in your life. So tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to just in one moment pray that simple but profound prayer that's going to connect you with God. Can I encourage you to partake of it just by raising your hand when I count to three? You know what? Uh, I'll see it, but more importantly, God will see it. And the Bible says if we uh, confess Jesus Christ before men, listen, He will confess us before the Father. When you acknowledge Jesus tonight, He's going to acknowledge you before the Father who's in heaven. How powerful. So on three, if that's you, young person, older person, front to the back, on three, sip your hand up and I'm going to include you in that prayer tonight to get to know Jesus Christ. Somebody is getting a miracle. Somebody is getting a miracle in Port Lincoln tonight. Christians, can you pray? Somebody is getting a miracle tonight in Port Lincoln in Jesus' name. Here we go. One, two, you ready? Right across our service, if that's you, sip your hand up. Here we go. Three. Just start raising hands up right now. Start raising them up. Keep raising them up, everybody. Keep raising them up. That's so awesome. Keep raising them. That's awesome. Awesome. Keep raising them. Sir right there. Lady right there. Young man right there. Uh, young lady there. Young lady there. Young lady there. Sir there. Young man there. On the edge there with the hood. I like the hoodie. Next to you as well. Down the back. Down the back. Over here. Over here. Over here. Young girls there. Awesome. Lady over there. Wow. How good. So good. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Let's give the Lord a hand. Can, can I be so bold as to ask you, um, would you come and just fill down here? I do this every week in my church. I give people an opportunity to come and fill down the front. And if you're praying that prayer and you're saying, you know what, I'm coming for the first time, or you're getting your life right with God, I'd love to just lead you in a prayer and I invite you come and fill down the front. So the team's going to lead us. You can come on your own. You can bring a friend. You can bring a relative. You can come by yourself. And I'm just believing uh, for people as they come that tonight something's going to change. Something's going to break off. And also tonight, Jesus Christ is going to come and be Lord and Savior of your life. So if you raised your hand or you haven't yet raised your hand, we're going to start to sing. And as we sing, if you raised it or haven't yet raised it but know you need to come, start coming. And church, I want us to give people a big clap as they come, okay? So as they start to come, I want you to really give them a big clap. So let's sing. Start coming. And church, let's start clapping as people come. So come on.